Support for the show comes from Indeed. If you need to hire, you may need Indeed. Indeed is a matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Listeners of this show can get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and say you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Startups, you don't need to settle for a cumbersome banking experience to protect your money. Mercury offers banking and credit cards with effortless experience, giving ambitious companies greater precision, control, and focus without compromising security. Open smarter checking and savings accounts, control spend, optimize cash flow, and close the books in record time. Visit mercury.com to join more than 100,000 startups that trust Mercury with their finances and to help them perform at their highest level. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as someone who used to make viral videos until the health inspector shut me down. But in my spare time, I talk tech and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today, we're going to play a live interview I recently did with Susan Wojcicki, the CEO of YouTube, who I've known for a very long time. We spoke at the Lesbians Who Tech Summit in San Francisco about a lot of things, including disinformation, fake news, and all the other issues around the video service. Let's take a listen. Susan and I have known each other, we just figured out, for about 20 years. Yep. Um, we met a long time ago. I'll tell this story very quickly. Uh, her and it was Larry Page. Who else was with us? David Drummond. David Drummond, who's the... Megan. Megan, came to New York to talk to book... Uh, Publishers. About putting book stuff on Google in the very early days. And there was an electrical outage. Yes, on the entire eastern seaboard. And so they had to stay in my mom's apartment on the floor. um, And and ended up spending the night on the floor, which Larry Page, even for an hour, is a a lot. Uh, (laughs) And uh, and we had a really great talk about... In the dark. In the dark about where uh, the internet was going. Electricity. Yeah, so it was kind of a fascinating time to, to get to know each other. And since then, obviously, a lot has changed. Um, so I want to just say, I know really, I, Susan is one of my favorite people in Silicon Valley. That said, um, there's She's a lot gonna of... She's going to ask me lots of hard questions. Yes, I am. That said, it's really um, a difficult time for Silicon Valley right now. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about some big issues about where YouTube is, where Google sure. is, and the culpability of tech mm-hmm. in the disaster that we find ourselves in. Um, so, <laughs> um, so that's where I'm but she's super fun at a party. Anyway, so, um, so let's start with that. This week, yesterday, yes. you've had a, the, the latest controversy around YouTube, and there's mm-hmm. a controversy a day, not just YouTube, but Facebook and others, um, was around pedophiles and the use of YouTube as a tool for pedophiles. Mm-hmm. So why don't you talk a little bit about what you all have done, and then I'll have some questions about what, what happened in this situation. Sure, sure. Um, so first of all, I just want to say that we take kids' safety incredibly seriously. And um, I'd say also the last two years have really been focused on responsibility of our platforms. And everything we've done has been through those lenses of how can we make sure that what we're doing, the way we're growing, is through responsibly. And so in particular with this specific incident that happened around child safety, which I take very seriously. I'm a mom. I actually have five children. 
um, from four to 19. So I understand um, kids and, and, and they're, at least as a parent, I understand it and really wanna do the right thing. Um, so as soon as we were made aware of these issues that were happening, and we've been working on child safety for, you know, since, since we first launched um, YouTube Kids and became aware, yes, yeah, so, um, and, but what was, we became aware of some comments. The videos were okay. The videos were, didn't, were not violative, but the comments with those videos were. Right. Um, and as soon as we were made aware of them, um, the number was in the low thousands. We, re we removed comments off of tens of millions of videos. We basically did that almost instantly, mm -hmm. just in an abundance of caution to make sure that we were able to stop it. And then in the last week and just yesterday, we spent time looking at our policies and we announced some really significant changes, one of which is that we are no longer gonna allow comments on videos that are featuring young minors um, anymore. And... <laughs> And, and, older, and older minors that are engaged in risky behavior. Okay. Um, and we also launched a new classifier that has a um, 2x the potential to find comments that we think will be problematic. Okay, a couple questions. Yes. Made aware. Mm -hmm. Why didn't you know that? Why, this is, when, when, we ha when I have a platform and I'm making something, I know what's happening on my platform. I know what's happening in comments. Silicon Valley in general has been sort of doing this... Um, it's not YouTube as much as Facebook, but it's the, the excessive I'm sorry tour, like oops, sorry, oops, sorry, oops, sorry. And it, it, it's the questions like made aware. We were made aware, we didn't realize it. Talk about what goes into these platforms. And I realize the amount of video going over them. Sure. I realize how big it is. I realize the prob, the technical problem sure. going in. But sometimes it feels as if they don't have any sense of anyone it seems like they live a life that's very safe. It's typically white, young men, and they don't understand the lack of safety for so many other people, mm -hmm. not just children. Mm -hmm. So talk about that. Yeah. Well, so I will say we have been very focused on child safety. It wasn't like we were suddenly made aware and then we started focusing on child safety or comments. Right. Like, we have been doing that for the last couple of years. The reason we were actually able to launch a classifier that had doubled the capacity is because we had been working on that to make sure that we were able to remove those comments. Um, so all of this has been ongoing work. Um, the change, the policy change to say we are no longer going to allow comments on minors um, featuring young minors is... You know, we're a platform that is really balancing between freedom of speech, right, and also managing with our community guidelines. And, you know, I think there are going to be many young people out there that are going to be upset because they're going to feel like they're posting videos and they no longer have the ability to use comments in the way that other, cre other creators can, right, to be able to get feedback on their videos about what's useful, what went well, what should their next video be about, um, what was successful. And so this change... You know, it took away some of the ability of people who are innocent, young people who are innocent, who are posting, or their parents who are posting videos. And in the end, that was a trade-off that we made because we felt like we wanted to make sure that protecting children was our number one priority. So doing a sweeping thing versus consulting, say, the parents, that you can't decide between parents what... Parents can always decide. So parents can always turn off the comments, right? So that's a, that's a functionality that everybody has. We also have classifiers for people to, to search through them. We we go search through them, turn them off, 
Um, if we find anything that's violative in the comments, just automatically. Um, and so we give tools to our creators, but it's a process where we're trying to always get better. But in this specific case, like we had to make a choice between giving people who are innocent and creating videos themselves and then protect making a decision about their safety. Right, but I get back to the idea that comments are just vile on YouTube. I mean, anyone who's a woman gets like... Um, I have a channel. Yes, you have a channel. They're vile. Yes. When you look at them, don't you say, why is this even occurring? Why am I even allowing this to happen? Well, com I mean, first of all, we have, we have community guidelines, and YouTube has had community guidelines since the very beginning. And those uh, community guidelines include things like hate speech and promotion to violence and all kinds of other um, core areas that we believe in. But comments is a really important part of the platform for creators and well, fans to turn off, and they can always turn it off. Right. Um, if yes, they want he, to. Here's the thing, they can always turn it off. That's really not, like it's off or on. It's not that you are monitoring your platform in a way that's we responsible. We do, we do. We, we do. we do run classifiers, we look at the comments, we actually remove hundreds of millions of comments every quarter that we, in the, that we think are problematic. So we are monitoring it, but you have to realize the volume that we have is very substantial. Right. Um, and we're working to give creators more tools as well for them also to be able to right. manage But when we it. talk about the volume, I mean, there is the volume, like, but y'all created it. It's not like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry, and, 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 and it's not you in particular, but you all, sometimes it feels like they, you have all reaped the benefit, but not the responsibility of having a platform. You know what I mean? And so, and, and again, I think a lot, of, a lot of the focus has been on Facebook on this, because yeah. it looks like, in their case, it's a lot of sloppy management, like that they just didn't put in the rules in place or the tools in place or things like that. And, it, and I get, I do, again, I get that it's a massive problem. Yeah. So what are the solutions to this? Because one of the solutions is regulatory. Like, all, if all of a sudden tomorrow, um, Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act was removed from you all, you'd have to figure it out rather quickly, right? You don't have a broad immunity. What would you do? Well, for the last two years, we have been really, really focused on, right. on responsibility. And everything that we do, whenever we talk about growth, we always talk about responsible growth. Every change that we make, we're thinking through the lens of responsibility. And if you look at the number of changes that we've made, it's substantial. Um, and I'm happy to talk about more yeah. in all the different areas, whether it's, and you have to realize like there are many areas, child, we just spoke, you know, touched briefly on child safety, there's misinformation, there's foreign government interference, there's hate, right? So there are many different areas that we're focused on um, and we've made a lot of progress. And I, I wanna say there's more progress to be made. Um, I 100% acknowledge, and, but we in the last year have built very significant teams to be able to address this and to address it not just from a people standpoint, from, but this is a technical audience from a technical point of view of building up classifiers and machines to be able to identify problems and remove that content. We're gonna take a quick break now. We'll be back after this with YouTube CEO, Susan Majewski. Support for this show comes from Indeed. Imagine the perfect employee. Let's call her Jackie. Jackie is professional yet relaxed, punctual, friendly, meets deadlines, and just makes your job easier overall. But the search for Jackie can be long and tedious, especially when you have so many other things on your plate. Indeed wants to help you find your next Jackie. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
They leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. So their matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. That means they can better connect you with your Jackie. And listeners of this show can get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and say you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Startups, you don't need to settle for a cumbersome banking experience to protect your money. Mercury offers banking and credit cards with effortless experience, giving ambitious companies greater precision, control, and focus without compromising security. Open smarter checking and savings accounts, control spend, optimize cash flow, and close the books in record time. Visit mercury.com to join more than 100,000 startups that trust Mercury with their finances and to help them perform at their highest level. So talk about the technical solutions, because that's yeah. always been the AI is going to fix it, whatever. And Casey Newton just wrote a great piece in The Verge about Facebook, uh, uh, people who go through Facebook videos, and they all want to, they, they all suddenly, people who watch the conspiracy videos suddenly believe in conspiracies, they're being badly affected, they're having sex yes. in, the, in the stairwells, they're like, it's like crazy. <laughs> they watch this stuff and they get warped. Yeah. Um, obviously, humans are not going to be the way you're going to figure this out, but you have to put humans to the test. So, Talk about this, what, what could be done. Well, we have to use humans and machines, and it's the combination of using humans to generate basically you know, what we'll call the golden set or the, the initial set, the set that our machines can learn from. And then it's the machines that go out and actually extend all this amazing knowledge that the humans have and to be able to do that at scale. So we have 500 hours being uploaded every minute to YouTube. Um, and so the only way to solve this at the end of the day is going to be with a combination of human and machines. And if we actually started releasing a transparency report, and if you look at the transparency report, um, you can see how the machines have ramped up in the last um, in the last year. And in Q3, we're about to release Q4 report, but in Q3, um, we removed over um, almost 8 million videos. And of those, 75% of them were removed with machines. And of that 75%, the majority didn't even have a single view. And so that shows you that when you can do this at scale, it really makes a difference. But um, you know, recommendations, for example, like we just made a change to how we handle recommendations to be able to, where we have um, raters, the raters go through, that we make sure they're representative from all parts of the US, we publish the guidelines. Those raters then identify a set of videos that they think are, could be, like they might meet our, technically meet the requirements of being following our community guidelines, but they're close. And there's a lot of content that, br it's, there's like a 1% that brushes up against the, the community guidelines. And so what we do is like we identify this with, with like a set of them with humans, and then we use machines and machine learning to expand. And based on that, um, then we are um, basically very unlikely to recommend that. And so I'll, I'll get to recommendations. I have a personal yes. beef with you about okay. that. Okay. <laughs> I can't wait to hear. <laughs> My son, who's uh, 13 years old, yes. um, started watching Ben Shapiro videos. And he's okay. like the gateway drug to the next group. And then it goes right to Jordan Peterson. Then it goes down. And in three clicks, he was at neo-Nazi stuff. It was like astonishing. And then I had to listen to it at dinner. And I was sort of like, I'm going to kill Susan Majewski first. Okay, and then, well, um, <laughs> there I am. But it was sort of like, I was sort of like, is there anything, like, it, it, it feels like, as I said, I think you've heard me say this, it feels like 
All you tech companies have built cities, these beautiful cities, but you decided not to initially put in police, fire, uh, garbage, street signs, um, and stuff like that. And, and, and so it feels like the purge every night. I mean, what, 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 I'm not, it's a good joke, but, but, it, but it is. I'm sort of like, and then I've got like this kid who's like, well, Ben Shapiro's sort of smart. I'm like, no, he's not. No, he's not, not even slightly. He's in, He's clever, but he's an idiot. And anyway, it's just like, it's exhausting. But it has like a huge effect on them. Mm. Do you feel like the, the people, like on a bigger thing, and it's not your total responsibility, Susan, but it's, do you feel like the people still become, they have a sense of this, of the impact they have and are capable of dealing with it or will regulatory measures just have to come into place? Because it's already starting in Europe. It's starting in California here with privacy bills. What do, you, do, you all, do you feel like you're all able to do that? We are going to make, we have already made a huge difference and we will continue. And that will have a big impact in how our platforms work. And we actually use this analogy of a city too, where we feel that we were, you know, initially started as a smaller city and people kind of all knew each other on the internet, right? And then very quickly we grew to this major metropolitan city. And our goal is, you know, we've really ramped up um, Google has committed to having 10,000 people committed to controversial, dealing with controversial content, um, which we staffed last year. And um, we have tightened our guidelines. We have made very significant changes in how we handle our, our policies, like the recommendations. So getting, getting to your son. Um, He's lost. Um, no, we can, we, can, we can work on your son here. I have a son too, and I get some of these discussions also at the dinner table. I mean, so it's a... Um, I think what you're describing is, and the, and the way we think about it too, look, there's a set of content that has to meet the community guidelines. Ben Shapiro's gonna meet the community guidelines. So I don't think you're suggesting that we remove him from the platform, are you? I would, but I can't. No, okay. no. Okay. But you know, I, but no, okay. you know, I, last time I saw you, I was like, get Alex Jones off that platform. And you're like, well, the community guidelines. And then you got well, him now off. Now he's not on the platform. I know, so I was right, but that's just, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> It was a terms of service, it's actually. A terms of service. He broke the terms he of service. He broke our terms of service, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, um, but what I mean is, I'm getting to the, the larger picture, and then I do want to get to issues around diversity and other sure. things. But okay. do, you, do, you, do, you, <laughs> do you feel Anything. like you all have the capabilities? Because it sometimes feels like, again, that, 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 that it's a small group of people that's deciding on a large group of things. Is there enough diversity? Is there enough men within your management structure to do that, to make these decisions? Well, diversity, I mean, diversity is a huge and important part of YouTube. And that's what I love about YouTube is the fact that we've been able to tell so many stories. And that's why we've, that's in many ways why we want to make sure that we're protecting the freedom of speech, but also enforcing the community guidelines at the same time. And I do think we'll make very significant progress. I think we have made significant progress and we will continue to do and I'm that. I'm talking about in your management structure. Do you feel like you're, you're, you all live in a zip yeah. code of Palo Alto or whatever. Do you feel yeah. Like there's well, no. Actually, half of YouTube lives in San Francisco. Right. Okay, half. So. All right. Um, well, that's good. Yes. Um, but do you, <laughs> do you feel like that, that there's been enough? I mean, for a long while, Susan, it was you and Cheryl that were it. Yeah. Well, so I actually just ran some stats before we... It's just women. I'm not talking about people of color and different sure. ages. No, I think it's incredibly important. Um, I mean, I just looked at my management team, and I've been really focused on diversity mm -hmm. at YouTube and, and bringing more leaders and more women and more people of color and underrepresented minorities to YouTube. I 100% I agree. This is 
essential. Um, and I'm not just, I'm saying it from many perspectives. I think it's important from a business perspective because to have that point of view of representing everyone and understanding um, and, and drawing the best talent. So I just looked at my management team. So when I got there, the number of directors at YouTube was um, about 15% in terms of women, mm -hmm. okay? And now it is double um, around 30%. So I'm not saying that we're at 50%, which you know, like women are 50% of the population, um, but in my leadership, it, that number has doubled. What about the rest of Google? But how do you press that at the rest of Google? Because here you are doing this, and, it, and I want to also get to people well, of color. And YouTube's going to keep growing. Right. So, so, I mean, so my goal is, like, I think YouTube is a, is a company within Google, and so the goal for me is to think about, like, how do I, and I have control of YouTube, right, as the CEO. So my goal is, like, let's make YouTube really diverse, really, um, and show what it is to have a diverse tech company, and then deploy different techniques, whether it's like bringing in people who are supporting underrepresented communities, increasing our recruiting at colleges that we might not have gone to beforehand, um, just making sure that it is a really inclusive place and the people that are there feel supported. Um, and that also leads a pathway for other tech companies, leads a pathway for um, Google, etc. So now you've been around a long time. Do you think it's changed a lot? Because it doesn't feel like it has. I mean, let's be honest. Well, I think it has changed. How? Actually, I think I think you've been helpful in changing yes, it. Yes, I know that, but I, so. <laughs> but, but I can only say you fucking asshole so many times before it, it loses. Well, it's helpful. It's helpful, but it's. Yes. Do you do you imagine it shifting? Because whenever I feel like it has, it feels like it just. I see the same group of people. And what happens is, the, the, I think, for example, at Facebook, so I'll use another company, because sure. I think you're more obstreperous group at Google, um, the cohesion with, within the group at Facebook led directly to what has happened there. They, were all, they always bragged about getting along, and I was like, well, who's the pain in the ass here? And they did say, you, Carol, but I don't work there, and I'm not, <laughs> and I'm not a billionaire either. So what has to change within tech to do that? Well, you know, I wrote this. Um, you did. I wrote this Vanity Fair piece called Breaking Up the Silicon Valley Boys Club. And the first point, <laughs> um, the first point I made was that it needs to come from the CEO level. Mm -hmm. And I've really seen, like, it has to, the CEO has to make it a priority. They have to say, this really matters. I'm going to give it the resources. I'm going to, I'm going to meet with the underrepresented groups. I'm going to focus on having a diverse management team. And you know, if, if I, I mean, I've been now, I realize I've been at, YouTube, at Google for 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think when, when I first started, if I, I compare it to now as to, as to in today's world, I think a, there's much more focus on diversity really matters from a business standpoint. I think the technology is more diverse, like we see it reaching more people. And I also think the culture of any kind of discrimination or sexism, people are much more aware of that and much less willing to tolerate it. I think on both sides, both men, women, leadership, um, and employees. And I think part of that has been, you know, sadly we've had you know, Me Too and all these different examples of companies that have not done a good job. And, and that has including really, Google. Yes, including Google. I take, you know, so, I, but the, I'll say the positive 
although the, these were very negative events, and, I, and, I, and I'm so sad when I see that they happen, but the positive is it's raised awareness of how companies cannot operate this and the consequences if they do. And that is really important to bring awareness that this is just not acceptable behavior in Silicon Valley. We're going to take another break now. We'll return to this conversation with Susan Wojcicki after this. Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are in APY. APY can change at any time. All right, I'm going to finish up talking about, I don't have a timer here, so I don't know the minutes, but um, someone has, there's no timer here, so I can just keep going on. Um, uh, two things I want to talk about. Um, disinformation. Yes. And regulation. Yes. And, and the Google walkout. These are three things okay. I want to get to. Okay, great. So, um, so the Google walkout, there's people okay. here, there's some, that was, I did a great podcast yeah. with a bunch of them. Yeah. How did you see that within Google among top, you're on the top management team at Google. Yes. Um, what did you, you, you've just done ended forced arbitration, correct? Yes. What, yes. Else, what else could, how did you look at that? Do you well, think, first, first how of all, many like, people here are from Google that were part of that? Okay. okay. Uh, do, do you yeah. all realize it's a bigger deal or do you, or like, oh, it's just some noisy employees? No, no, it was a, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And, and you know, first of all, seeing the news um, was really upsetting. And I think you know, that was the sentiment of the entire management team, that it was really upsetting. And, um, and what, you know, the way I approach things is like, how can we make things better? And what I appreciate about Google is that we saw that people said like, I wanna make this a better company. I'm upset, I wanna go, I wanna make change, I'm asking for change, and, and that, you know, that means that it's a company that people care about and they, that they want to make it a better place. And so as a management team, we wanted to give people the leeway to tell their stories, to hear what wasn't going well. Um, and so you know, we said, sure, if people want to go to the walkout, they should go to the walkout and we're going to listen to the stories and we're going to listen about how we can do better. And, and I don't want to say that everything is solved. It's not, right? There's always going to be more to do, but if you look at the changes that we made really quickly, there were a lot of changes that were made quickly. And the changes were, you know, first of all, like we started with, with not having um, forced arbitration around sexual harassment. Um, that was the first change. We revamped the process of how it's reported, and I think people told their stories, and even though we had a process, we realized that process can be better, um, and we, we made different changes there. We said we would report on it, um, and we said we would have man mandatory training, um, and we re renewed our commitment to diversity. Um, and there's more. There's ongoing all right. work. Will, will you all, do you think, do you imagine, I know you're not the person no. in charge of this, put an employee on the board of Google? Um, yeah, so I'm not the person in charge of this. Um. <laughs> Will you advocate for it? Do you think it's a good idea? Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know enough. I mean, I have never been on a board where there's an employee. Most, I mean, it's... No, I, it's all white guys, I know. 
No, there's not, there's diversity. Your board is pretty good. Your board. Our is board is pretty good. I'm also on the board of Salesforce, and I yeah. think they have really good diversity there. Yeah. Um, and that's been that's been great to see, and great to see that commitment. So, so um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not on the board. And what do you and, think about the idea of an employee on the board? Well, it depends who the employee is. I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm an employee. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I think it matters who that the employee is. I, you know, I mean, I think it's to make. I I think. Um, I mean, boards usually review plans. They don't necessarily come up with a plan to be able right. to make that change. And so I think, you know, having focus at the Google level, um, at the alphabet level, is, and as the team has currently been doing, is, is probably the right place to be able to make a lot of change. And I don't want to say there aren't benefits of having an employee. I don't know. I've never been on a board with an employee, so I, don't, I just don't know enough about that. And the last thing, because I'm not going to be able to get to privacy because we've got a short amount of time, is contractors. Okay. Contractors, yes. Contractors around. Yes, yes. This is important yes. to a lot of people who yes. have contractors. Yes, yes, yes. We have temps, contractors, and vendors. Should CBCs. they be treated the same way and, have, and not be these sort of second-class citizens of Silicon Valley? And it's increasing in employment, not just at Google, but everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, first of all, the company, the company, and I, and many companies in Silicon Valley like need to employ TVCs to be able to scale and to be able to ramp up to an expertise that the company itself may not have, right? And that could be anything from like the bus drivers and and people who are um, I don't know working across. You know, Lots security, of, yeah, and you security, or or like our lawyers who are advising us on very complicated areas where we don't have um, full expertise. I'm just pointing out it's a broad range of expertise that we have there, and we do have a supplier code of conduct. We want to make sure that all of the suppliers are implementing and treating the imp the the people that we employ, and that when we do employ them, that they meet a certain level and. Uh, in terms of our supplier code of conduct. And I think that is a really important leverage point to make sure that that causes them as a vendor to make sure that they are meeting those right requirements to make sure that our employee, our, the TVCs, the temps, vendors, and contractors that we're hiring are getting fair um, and you know, great working conditions. All right. Do you believe Silicon Valley, this is the, the year of reckoning? This is my last question. This sort of has been a year of reckoning. Do you feel like the leaders get it. And you know, I've always said to you, and I think you agree with me, that Silicon Valley has always been a meritocracy rather than a meritocracy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you believe they get it that perhaps they, are, they did not hang the moon and they really do have to make these serious changes? Do you think that, since you're at the very top of it? I think they get it. Um, I mean, it's been a year where we have, we have been, you know, I think any good leader needs to step back and say, how can we do this better? And like there was a period of time where I, and I'd say maybe this was like two years ago, where we just said, look, like something has to change here and we have to take a change. And I went to my team and we said, said look, in our what we call trust and safety area and how we handled this from a product standpoint, like we need to have senior people, we need to have dedicated teams and they need to be big teams with the best people on them. And they, we have to have a 100% commitment to responsibility and to solving these challenges. And you know, this has been, a, this has been a, I mean, I've been now for 20 years at, at Google and it's, th these have been hard years. These have not been easy years. And every, you know, we have a lot of challenges and they tend to always happen like when someone is out or when we're on vacation or, I mean, but, but 
it doesn't matter. Like you have to come back wherever you are in the world. Like you need to be there. You need to you need to be on it. We've been working around the clock to solve these issues. And I'm not saying we're done. I'm not saying we've solved everything, but we have 100% commitment to, to solve them. And that commitment will lead to progress and that will lead to better products for everybody. And I'm committed to doing it. Great, Susan Wojcicki. Okay, thank you. Thanks again to Susan Wojcicki for joining me on stage and to the organizers of Lesbians Who Tech for letting us share the audio with you. And thanks to you all for listening. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please tell a friend about the show. If you're in the Washington, D.C. area, I'm doing a live podcast taping on April 2nd at the Studio Theater focusing on AI and self-driving cars. To learn more, just go to events.recode.net slash AI. You can also follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. Now that you're done with this, go check out our other podcasts, Recode Media and Pivot. You can find those shows wherever you found this one. Thank you for listening to this episode of Recode Decode and thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then. 